Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Well, hey, welcome to Vintage Church. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church. If you're watching online, welcome to Vintage Church as well. We are, like Pastor Brick shared, literally two sermons away from wrapping up, preaching through the entire book of Hebrews. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 18. Or you can pull up your phone and uh, get there as well. We're going to finish chapter 12 today. And then next week, we're going to preach through the entire uh, chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews. And so I want to remind you uh, where you can find all of the resources. This might be your first time uh, in the book of Hebrews, the first time at Vintage. And you're like, wow, I came to the tail end of all of this. You can find all of that at the website on the screen, nola.vcmvmt.com slash can't stop, won't stop. And we've got all of our sermons. Uh, we have all of our V group material. We have a introduction to the book of Hebrews if you're new to the Bible and you want to learn about that book. And so last week, we talked about this truth that we are to endure in faith by focusing on Jesus, growing from suffering, and protecting one another. And every week I've been talking about the, the reality that the, the group of Christians uh, were in going through and enduring that this letter was written to. These were Jewish Christians who had come to follow Jesus, who had believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the one that was promised to redeem and deliver them, but something had happened in their life. Something had happened, some sort of persecution, some sort of suffering, and what they had begun to think about is, hey, maybe it would be easier to go back to what we knew, to leave Christianity, to leave Jesus and go back to Judaism. Most of us watching this are not probably coming from a Jewish background, but here's the reality. If you know Jesus, then what that means is you came from something. And so I think the danger is still true for us when we read the book of Hebrews. The danger is that we could still leave Jesus, walk away, and return to what we knew before. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Here's what I want you to get. This is kind of the main idea of the entire message. Write this down. Listen to God who has provided a better covenant through his son, Jesus. Listen to God, who's provided a better covenant through his son, Jesus. And so let's look at these first few verses, starting in verse 18. It says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion 
and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, one of the things that we've talked about almost every week, right? These were Jewish Christians. And so if you're new to the Bible, everything we just read, you're probably thinking, what in the world is going on? Because that's not our context. But these were Jewish Christians, and they would have understood everything the author was telling them. And so we're going to unpack some of those things. There's really two truths or two actions that I want you to take away from tonight. Number one, from these verses, this is what I want you to take away. Draw near to God. Now, the idea of drawing near to God, that has been an idea throughout the book of Hebrews. And that's part of the whole point. What he's getting at from all of the book of Hebrews is, listen, you can draw near to God because you are in Jesus. Jesus is the one who has brought you close to God. And to draw near to God is not just to know Him, not just to worship Him, not just to follow Him, but to be in a relationship with Him. And listen, there's nothing more significant in life than to have a relationship with the God who created you. And so he gets at this first idea, and he's comparing and contrasting two mountains, Mount Sinai with Mount Zion. Now, Mount Sinai, you can read about in the book of Exodus. The people of Israel, if you remember this story, if you're, if you're familiar, they come out of slavery in Egypt, and they go through that the land, and they get to Mount Sinai. They stop there to worship the Lord. And when they get there, God shows up on the mountain. And that's where we get the Ten Commandments, and that's where God speaks to the people. And so what we see in all of that is some of the things that they shared. And what's compared to that is Mount Zion. Now, traditionally in the Old Testament, Mount Zion most often referred to Jerusalem the capital city of Israel, the place where the temple was, where the king dwelt, where God was worshipped. But what is referred to here is not necessarily that physical, temporal location, but the heavenly city of God. And, and that's been an image throughout the book of Hebrews, of this idea of what it looks like to actually approach God in heaven. Now I just want to share, this is going to be real quick, a, uh, a comparison between how the author describes Mount Sinai and how the author describes Mount Zion. So just listen. Mount Sinai, it's a mountain that cannot be touched. It is a blazing fire. There's darkness. There's gloom. There's a tempest. There's a sound of a trumpet. There's a voice that's God's voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Wow, sounds like an uh, encouraging environment, right? Now, look at Mount Zion. Mount Zion is described completely different. It's the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. There are innumerable angels in festal gathering. 
There's an assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. God is there, the judge of all. The spirits of the righteous who are made perfect are there. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, is there. And it's by the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. I mean, you see the comparison. I mean, that's what he's trying to get at is, listen, Mount Sinai wasn't all that promising. And remember, what's going on in the book of Hebrews? The people that he wrote this letter to are thinking about going back. And he, what he's doing is, he's, do you really want to go back to that? Do you want to go back to that when you have this better covenant? Mount Sinai equaled the old covenant. Mount Zion equaled the new covenant. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, let's look at Exodus 20. Those words are going to be on the screen for you. This is how the people of Israel respond to God when God shows up. He says this, now when all the people, that's the people of Israel, saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. They stood far off. Remember what the author of Hebrews said that we can do through Jesus. What did he say? We can draw near but the people of israel stood far off and and they said to moses you speak to us and we will listen but do not let god speak to us lest we die moses said to the people do not fear for god has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin moses said all of that look at verse 21 what did the people of israel do the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now, here's what I want you to get. Mount Sinai equaled fear. But Mount Zion equals joy. Why go back to the thing that brought fear when you have the very thing that brings joy? So we're to draw near to God. What's the point? What's he trying to say in verses 18 through 24? The point is this. With the old covenant, God was unapproachable. It was impossible to get near to God, to be able to draw near to God. But with the new covenant, God is accessible. We can draw near to him. Now, I thought about it like this. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen those videos where those parents... Uh, dress up like something really scary and they scare the living daylights out of their children <laughs> and then they take the, the mask off and their kid like totally drastically changes right I mean I think about when I read verses 18 through 24 that's what I think about that comparison of of Mount Sinai bringing so much fear and Mount Zion bringing joy why would you want to go back to what brought fear when you can have joy now look, this is the incredible thing for me, because there's this comparison, but look at what he says in verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion. Now look, go back and look at verse 18, and look at what he says, for you have not come to Mount Sinai, but verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion. The reason that God is accessible in the new covenant is because Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. And what he's wanting to get them to understand is there's no reason to walk away because they already have Jesus. 
There's not this moment that he's saying, okay, it's time to choose. You can have this or you can have this. What he's saying to them is, listen, you've already chosen Jesus. He's, the new, he's part of the new covenant. He's the mediator for the new covenant. He's going to be the one who allows you to draw near to God. It's the, it's the entire point of the gospel, right? The gospel is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That we are broken, sinful people. Every single one of us. Every single one of us, in and of our own power, cannot draw near to God. But Jesus came, put on flesh. He was the second person of the Trinity, fully God, came and put on flesh and became fully human. And in doing so, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, died for our sins, resurrected from the grave, and now sits at the right hand of God. And because of that work, we can draw near to God. And what the author is trying to get at is, listen, the old does not do that. Mount Sinai cannot do that. But Jesus, Jesus can do that. We've said it almost every single sermon in this series. But it rings true here. Why go back to something when you have the better thing. That's the whole point. That's, that's the entire point of the, if you want to know what the book of Hebrews is about, that's what the entire book of Hebrews is about. Why go back to something when you have the best thing, when you have the better thing? Jesus is better. Listen, whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're thinking about, I want you to know that Jesus is better than all of that. He's better than all of that. There's nothing that you can go back to and be more satisfied in than Jesus. And so listen, for, for you and I, for us, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what this text is saying is we have come to Mount Zion. We can draw near to God. But listen, that opportunity, that offer is open to anyone who turns away from their sins when recognizing that they are broken and sinful and separated from God when they repent of their sins and look to Jesus and place their faith and trust in Jesus to save them. That opportunity is open to anyone who would repent and believe. Anyone can draw near to God if they know and have Jesus. And so I think the first thing that the author tells us to do is to draw near to God. So if the new is so much better, what then? Let's look at verses 25 through 29. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For they, if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice, that's God's voice, shook the earth. But now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, 
things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. For to draw near to God, I think the second thing that we see in this passage is that we're also to listen to God. Verse 25, it says, See that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. Another way to think about this verse is this. Beware that you might not reject the one who is speaking. And this has been, an, this has been a, a concern and a warning from the very beginning of the book of Hebrews. If, if you've noticed, as we've gone through the book of Hebrews, almost every other chapter or so, there is a warning for these Christians to not neglect God, to not fall away from God. Because here's what happened in the Old Testament, and this is what we read in verses 25 through 29. In the Old Testament... Obviously, God spoke to the people of Israel from Mount Sinai, but Israel did not listen. And because they did not listen, they were judged. But here's what the author of Hebrews is getting at. In the New Testament, God has not only spoken to us, but He has spoken definitively to us through His Son, Jesus. Go back to the very beginning of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through the beginning of 2. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God spoke, but He spoke in many different ways long ago. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. See, the, the point that the author is getting at is we need to listen to God. Why? Because God has spoken. I've said this before. If you want to see God, if you want to know who God is, who do you look to? Jesus. Because Jesus is God. And Jesus is the final and definitive communication from God to us. He is Jesus is God's message to us of who He is and who we are and what our problem is and what it requires for us to get back to God. God has spoken to us through His Son, Jesus. But here's the warning in Hebrews chapter 12. Just as the people of Israel were judged because they did not listen to God, we too will be judged if we do not listen to God now. That's why we trust in Jesus and not reject Jesus. Because Jesus is God's communication to us. I mean, I thought about it, you know, it's like, the teenager who refuses to listen to his parents or her parents, right? Because uh, they, there's no way they know anything. And then, I mean, this, this is at least what I've experienced. As a, especially as a parent, I look back on my parents and I'm like, hmm, that makes a whole lot more sense now. God has communicated to us and it's our responsibility to listen to God. Here's the point. 
And I've shared this exact same thing before, but I believe that every single warning that's in the book of Hebrews, this is what the author is trying to get at. We can have assurance of salvation because our salvation is by grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. Through faith. Everybody say faith. In Jesus Christ alone. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's nothing in the book of Hebrews that is telling you, hey, work at it, keep it up, maybe God will accept you. There's nothing of that. Everything that's in the book of Hebrews is is that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But... We should take the warnings to persevere in the faith seriously. And here's what I think the warnings do for us. Number one, the warnings challenge us to examine the genuineness of our salvation. So if we're truly following Jesus, the warnings should stop us in our tracks and cause us to do a little bit of introspection. Hey, how am I doing? Am I truly following Jesus? Am I listening to God? Am I obeying God? The warnings, they challenge us to examine the genuineness of our salvation. Number two, the warnings challenge us to avoid falling away. It's it's almost like they're, they're put in front of us to say, you don't want to do this. Right? I mean, you think about you might, you know, when you grew up, your parents might have been like, you know, you don't want to make the same mistake I made. Why? Because they knew it was a mistake. And they're trying to save you from making that same mistake. And here in the book of Hebrews, they're putting this warning out so not so we'll come close to the line and dance with the devil, but so that we'll say, you know what, I'm not even going to get near that. There's no chance that I want to fall away. So the warnings challenge us to avoid falling away. Lastly, the warnings inspire us to faithfully persevere until the end. One of the things that we've said in this series is the point is not necessarily how you start the race, but how you finish the race. And so if, that, if that's true, then what that means is we've got to have what we talked about last week, the endurance to finish the race. And the warnings remind us that we're in a race and we've got to get to the finish line. And so the warnings are set so that we might listen to God. Every single warning that you find in the book of Hebrews, that's the point. Listen to God. So what's the danger for us? I said this last week, but I think it's true in this passage as well. Number one, the big danger is that we would shipwreck our faith. Shipwrecking our faith is literally, I'm done, I'm walking away from Jesus. And that was the fear of this author to these Christians, that they would walk away from Jesus. But I think the bigger danger for many of us is that our faith would grow stagnant. And what I mean by that is we might still look like a Christian on the outside, but our hearts are terrible. The inside of us, our our spirit and our soul is filthy. 
And listen, that's, that's really easy and dangerous to do because everyone around you thinks you're totally fine. Everyone around you thinks that things are perfectly okay. And when everyone around you thinks that, guess what you can do? It's easy to lie to yourself. It's easy to trick yourself into believing, you know, things actually aren't, aren't all that bad. But a danger is that the outside of how we're living our life would not match the inside and vice versa. Maybe we're doing the right things, but our hearts don't match what we're actually doing. Listening to God means our hearts are being transformed by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and as our hearts are being transformed, it's leading us to live our lives differently than the world around us. The point of these warnings is that we might not shipwreck our faith and that our faith would not grow stagnant. So what's, what does the author say our response should be? Look at, look at the end there in verses 28. Number one, our response should be gratitude. He says, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. Why? Because God is in control. A kingdom that cannot be shaken because as much as you might try accidentally or purposely, you can't mess it up. God is in control. And so we're grateful for the fact that God is in control. But number two, not only are we grateful that we serve a God who has an unshakable kingdom, but our response should be worship. Look at what he says, that we would be uh, grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. Now, acceptable worship is not just coming on a Thursday night or a Sunday morning and lifting your hands and singing songs and listen to me yell and scream. It's how you live your lives. Another word for worship is service. That our lives would be dedicated to God. Our response to God's goodness in our lives should be, yes, gratitude, but that we would choose to listen to God and follow Him. That's what He wants for us. He doesn't want lip service. He wants obedient followers who truly follow Him, who call Him, not just with their words, but with their actions, Master and Lord. I mean, you ever, there's a reason we call Jesus Lord. It's because He is Lord. And you can either submit to the fact that He's the Lord of the universe and therefore Lord of your life, or you can choose to not live under His Lordship. But listen, here's the truth. It doesn't matter what you do or what you believe, Jesus is still Lord. This week as I studied this, I thought about Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul writes, he writes this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. If you have your Bible open, I want you to underline this statement. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Underline this. Do not be conformed 
to this world, but be, underline this, transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think Paul is saying exactly what the author of Hebrews is saying when he says in verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Because our responsibilities as followers of Jesus, we no longer go to the temple and offer regular animal sacrifices. What Paul is getting at, what the author of Hebrews is getting at, is our entire lives are to be lived as worship. And it's not just the songs you sing here or the songs you sing in your car or how many times you pray or how many times you read your Bible. Yes, all of those things are incredibly important. But what's also important is that you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and that you love your neighbor as yourself. If you can love God and love people, then you're worshiping rightly. And Paul says, listen, if you're going to do that, if you're going to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, then what that means is you cannot be conformed to this world. And the only way to not be conformed to this world is to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Because when your mind is transformed, the things of the world no longer look promising, no longer look enticing, but the things of God look good. And no longer do you want to listen to yourself or the world or everyone around you, but you want to listen to who? God. And this is exactly what we talked about last week. To listen to God is to worship Him. And the way in which we listen to God, we remove distractions and we meditate on the gospel. So you've got to figure out, how do you remove the distractions? How do you cut out all the junk to where you're able to focus and meditate on what God is telling you, on who God is? Here's what I want you to get as we close. Listening leads to obedience. When we listen to God, we then know what He wants. And we're then able to obey. And here's the incredible thing about listening to God. When we listen to God, we not only know what He wants, but He changes our hearts and our minds. To where we're able to not only do what He says, but want to do what He says. Listening leads to obedience, which is ultimately worship. You want to honor and glorify God with your life. Obey Him. Obey Him. Listen to Him and do what He says. These Christians that the author wrote to were about to not listen to God. They were either going to 
shipwreck their faith or their faith was going to grow stagnant. And what the author wanted them to see is what an incredible gift they have in the person of Jesus. And if Jesus is that great, and He is the revelation of God, He's God speaking to them and God speaking to us, then we listen to God and obey Him. Because this is one of the most important things that you need to hear and believe. God always has your best in mind. Most of you probably believe that. But do you really believe it? Because when you trust and believe that God has your best in mind, it becomes incredibly easy to listen and obey Him. Because you know He has your best in mind. May we draw near to God and listen to Him. Let's pray. Father, help us to draw near to You. We thank You for the gift of Your Son, Jesus. God, that it's through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we are able to draw near and approach you. And Father, help us to listen to you. It's because of your son Jesus that we know who you are and what you want. Father, I simply pray, God, that our lives would be marked, God, our lives would be characterized by worshipful obedience. So help us now, Father, as we respond to you. We love you and we thank you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.